How have we, the church, regarded people with disabilities? Do we engage? Do we see them as members of the body of Christ? You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, for their great support of Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Find out more about CU Dub in the sponsor section. Look for Concordia University, Wisconsin in the sponsor section at KFUO.org. In studio with me today, friends from Bethesda Lutheran Communities. Quite the crew in studio. Full house here in studio today. Mona now. she's Director of Lutheran Ministry Partnerships. Mona, welcome. Thank you for having us. Glad to be back. Glad to have you in studio and to be live today. And we have Sandra Rice, Director of Resource Creation with Bethesda Lutheran Communities. Good morning, Sandra. Nice to meet you. Wonderful to have you in studio. Josh Galgan, he's Corporate Director of Religious Life for Bethesda. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. And Deaconess Kim Trombley, she's Vice President for Religious Life for Bethesda Lutheran Communities. Kim, welcome back. Good morning, Andy. Glad to have you all in studio. I think Kim and I usually get to talk when we're out on the road sometimes. I think we uh, we caught up at the National Youth Gathering uh, mm-hmm. last, well, it's been, what, 2016, so last year? Yeah. So uh, glad to have you all in studio. Learn more about Bethesda Lutheran Communities and how we have regarded people with disabilities and maybe, maybe do an inventory of that. How do we uh, regard people with disabilities? Mona, what do you think? How long have you been with Bethesda Lutheran Communities? I've been with Bethesda about seven years, I think. Almost exactly. Um, but I've been an advocate for people with disabilities in the church for uh, many, many years. Um, many people know I have a son with, who's 26 who has a developmental disability, and this has been our life journey of advocacy and participation in our faith communities. So uh, I think the church historically has done a great job of doing mercy ministry with people with disabilities, and and we've been intentional about that for many, many years. But I think if we really look closely at the scripture, we can see a much richer picture, particularly in 1 Corinthians 12, when we talk about the one body, many parts, Mm. and that each part has a role to play, their own specific role to play. And I think we've often overlooked verse 23, which says those parts that appear to be weaker, that seem to be weaker, are indispensable. Mm. And I think that's an area where we could explore a little more deeply what it means when we think about people with disabilities in the life of the church. Well, let's do that. Okay. Let's explore that more deeply today, uh, how people with disabilities are part of the body of Christ. Let's start with um, with the congregation. How are people with disabilities welcomed, included, and, re- and, and, and what they receive um, from their congregation, what we receive from them. How are people with disabilities welcomed and included in the congregation? Let's start with Kim. Yeah, certainly. There's a, a gentleman actually that I've worked with as a ministry consultant a few years ago, and he doesn't use a lot of words to speak, uh, but you can definitely tell what he's saying by the way he moves his hands and the way he gestures. And he was pretty quiet you know, during the mm-hmm. day. And then when he would go to church and he would see all of his friends at church, he would get really excited. And how then did you know he got excited? His arms would wave and he would get this big smile on his face and he would hug people <laughs> around him. You could tell that he was excited and you could tell that the people in the church were excited that he was there. And then when the Lord's prayer was being said within the liturgy, um, you, he started 
to vocalize and mimic what was going on and the cadence of the prayer. And you could tell that he understood exactly what was going on and he witnessed to people there in the church um, of the power of prayer. And so even though he didn't use words to speak, you could always tell what he was thinking and what he was saying. And you could tell that the church received him, Hmm. received him and welcomed him. So it came to... It would come to divine service, come to be there in the, the the sanctuary with the fellow worshipers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, to hear and receive what God has to deliver in that service, and to respond in prayer and thanksgiving. And in doing so, when you get to the Lord's Prayer, you could hear something that you don't normally hear from him in a, in a day-to-day situation. He said normally Certainly. he didn't didn't speak, but you could hear some vocalizing when it got to the Lord's Prayer. Yes. Yes, hmm. it was wonderful. It was wonderful to witness and be a part of. What, uh, when, you've, when you witnessed that or others shared that story with you, how did that, how did that shape the, your vocation, your work with Bethesda? Oh, definitely. It just reinforced that really we're stronger when we're all together. Church is stronger when everyone is present and when all voices are heard within the church. And that really reinforced that, that story with, with mm-hmm. Jerry. Isn't it interesting how that just that, that story alone shaped you and, and changed you and re- reinforced you? Sandra, do you have a story for us today of how people with disabilities are, are welcomed and included I do. I have a friend named Dave. He is a pastor in Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. Lutheran Church there. And um, this is actually about the fact that sometimes when you have an inexperienced person uh, when in in relationships with people with disabilities, sometimes all you have to do is just relax and realize it's all about relationships. So Dave um, had a young man in in his congregation with Down syndrome. And he kept trying really hard to talk to the young man. And every time he'd go up, he'd try to shake his hand and the man would walk away. Or he'd go up and try and fist bump and he'd walk away. And he was getting real discouraged. And and it bothered Dave too, because he would go up for communion with his parents for the blessing. And oftentimes when you have a blessing in congregations, there is some sort of a touch. The pastor will touch your shoulder or Mm -hmm. your head. And pastor didn't really know how to handle this situation because he didn't want him running away from the communion room. <laughs> so he tried several things and a long, long time of trying to develop a relationship with this young man. So eventually he got to the point where he would get right at his eye level and he'd look him straight in the eye and he'd give him the blessing up at the rail. And, and he felt like that connection and he felt good about that, but he was still hoping to have more. So he continued on and on. And in the narthex, he'd get right in his eye and he'd talk to him right eye to eye. And eventually he called me one time and he was so excited. I'm like, what's going on, Dave? Why are you so excited? Well, sure enough, the young man came up to communion and Dave looked him eye and eye and he gave him the blessing and he hugged him. <sighs> and he just felt that connection and that relationship. And so it's, it's an encouraging time to think about how it's really about persistence and building relationships and not not worrying too much about listening to what other people tell you to do. Mm-hmm. How we how we interact with one another too, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, some of us are more receptive to uh, more verbal communication. Some, as you, you mentioned, you know, something that, that may be more physical, a pat on the back or a fist bump or something like that. We may or may not be 
receptive to and to to think about you know thanks be to god for the pastor who who took the time to think that through and think okay what am i doing that that might be um perhaps building a wall between us what can i do to help relate to this person that i might be able to to share this blessing with him during the the service wow and oftentimes i suppose you could talk to people that are friends with him or related to someone. But I, I kind of like the fact that he persisted and discovered his own relationship with this young man and mm-hmm. didn't try to take on someone else's place. So I thought that was kind of neat too. That he, that he took the time, mm-hmm. took the time to, to think about it. And, and then that he was so, uh, so excited that he wanted to call you and tell you that, uh, you reached this, this breakthrough. Yeah. yeah. That was very fun. How does that, uh, how does that, uh, shape your work with Bethesda? Well, I work um, in the resource department. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes we are asked to do certain projects, maybe on prayer or devotions. And so uh, we have to come up with all different ways that you can relate to, to different people. So we have adapting pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's real interesting how we come up with teaching one concept in several different ways so that we can accommodate all different types of learners and all different types of people. So, And that's applicable not just to individuals with disabilities, but to all of us, Absolutely. to everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mona, how, uh, how are people with disabilities welcomed and included in the congregation? I think when we look at everyone who comes in the door as a child of God and individually gifted, um, then that sense of welcome is there. And once it is, then they become part of the fabric of the congregation. I'm thinking of my friend Joe, who uh, invites everyone and anyone from his workplace, from the bus, from uh, his home, from walking down the street, the coffee shop where he hangs out. He invites everyone to come to church. He tells them where it is and what time the service is. He invites them to come, and uh, and he is enthusiastic in his participation in his congregation. Um in the time that I've known Joe, I think it's been all seven years, he's worn out uh, at least seven Bibles, uh, reading them. He reads them avidly, and he talks about that, and he carries it everywhere, and he brings it to church. And when it starts to get worn and the pages are starting to fall apart, he starts asking other folks if they can help him get a new Bible because his is mm-hmm. worn out. And what a great witness of devouring God's Word and, and being in the Word that he's so regularly wearing his out um, and and sharing that and his joy in the scripture with those in his congregation. Um, and, and he's one of the, one of the folks that I have just admired for his frankness and his openness about requesting for prayer among his fellow, um, he, everyone that he meets requesting prayer. He has a sister who's not a believer and that weighs heavily on him. And he asks for prayer for her on a regular basis uh, in church, in prayer every Sunday. Um, And he believes that that in that power of prayer and that one day she will come to know her savior just as he has. What a a witness. You mentioned that everywhere everywhere Joe goes, he invites. Everywhere. Uh, friends, people he meets to the come, bus driver. <laughs> to come and hear the word of God. Do people take him up on that invitation? Oh, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that congregation is uh, often. I think we'll say as a newcomer comes in. Oh, 
Did you come because Joe invited you? <laughs> Are you here because of Joe? He's not here yet. The bus is coming. Um, yeah, he just that's just what he does and what a great witness to us. I mean, how many of us should do that a little bit more? Thanks be to God for Joe and his uninhibited <laughs> spirit to, uh, to invite others to come and hear their Savior, to come and hear his word. It reminds me of a small congregation that uh, where the Lord had placed me for a time. A small congregation in a small town in upstate New York. The uh, the congregation was, I, I believe, right down the road from a group home, and uh, the had, had become connected with the the uh, individuals who lived in the group home. Every Sunday morning, there were people of all ages and abilities who would gather together for that divine service. And that congregation celebrated the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And to see the uh, the the people of all abilities come to hear God's word. And I remember during the, the distribution, during the Lord's Supper, people uh, of all abilities gathering around the the table, gathering around the the Lord's Supper there. And some would receive the sacrament, some would receive a blessing. Uh, Pastor had a a unique blessing for each one of them uh, who came to just receive a blessing, but many went through instruction. And I believe it was the Bethesda built on the rock curriculum they were using for instruction Mm -hmm. because many went through instruction to receive the Lord's Supper there as well. But I remember sitting in the, the back of the sanctuary one Sunday, when that all just started to sink in of what the body of Christ looks like, mm. that it doesn't just look like me or people who look like me, but but people of, of all abilities. And that when that, that really sunk in, man, you know, that the, the God's word, his gifts are for, for all people. And uh, it was just a joy and, and encouraged me to come back and, and hear and receive those gifts every Sunday and uh, perhaps take a different look at how I look at the people around me and know that, that God's good gifts are for them as well. So how then do people with disabilities, uh, Mona, you talked about earlier the, you know, First um, Corinthians chapter 12 Looking at the this, you know, this text, uh, Paul talks about one body, many parts, and talking about the 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 parts that appear seem to be weaker are indispensable. What is that then? Look, let, let's dig into that deeper as we talk about these stories that you've just shared here. What do we need to think about more? What, um, how are we looking at? Have we been looking at this, perhaps, in a way that. Uh, is short-sighted or nearsighted? I think we haven't taken it as far or as rich or as deeply as we can. I, I think historically the church has looked at that one body, many parts story and taken many lessons from it. But mm-hmm. I, I clearly and firmly believe that that verse 23, those parts that seem to be weaker, that we overlook that. And we, we overlook those two words seem to be, or three words, seem to be weaker and we just read it as those that are weaker and then we totally miss the after the comma are indispensable hmm. all of god's children are individually gifted and all have something to bring and lessons to teach 
and individually gifted to teach lessons to the rest of us. And when they're not there, when they're missing, when we overlook them or marginalize them, um, then we're missing out on those lessons that they have to teach. Joe, as the the, the example that yeah, we were just exactly. speaking about, some might write him off and and, and consider him, you know, thinks may think that he appears to be weaker, but look at where he was stronger than many of us. Right. Uninhibited to invite a friend, a neighbor, the bus driver to come and hear their savior, to come and hear God's word. Yeah. And to share the word, to mm-hmm. share that word regularly with his Bible so much so that he wore it out. <laughs> um, who among us can say that? Yeah. Right. Uh, Joe is a, is a great example of, if you look at him, he uses a wheelchair, his speech is slow and sometimes difficult to understand. So it would be easy to dismiss him as a valuable member or a contributing member to the faith community just by looks. But as you get to know him and as you get to be in relationship, as Sandra said, um, he clearly has a profound faith um, and he shares it uninhibited, as you said. <laughs> How do people with disabilities influence or shape their congregation? I mean, we can hear a little bit here of how how, how Joe has done that, but how how do people with disabilities shape their congregation, influence the, the others in their congregation? Josh? Yeah, well, going back to the word indispensable, you know, you can say that just means necessary. You need them, right? If we want to get down to the bottom line, you need people of all abilities in the life of the church. Uh, there's a friend of mine named Don who has demonstrated this so clearly, and as he has just been faithful in his relationship with the Lord, that God has been using him and his congregation to teach the congregation some things uh, that they have recognized how necessary he and others are into the body. Uh, as an example, you know, it's easy for many of us to wake up on a Sunday morning and just go, oh, I would love to roll over and uh, hit snooze. And it just doesn't feel like a day to get out of bed and head to church. And uh, what Don does every morning is he actually bundles up, uh, especially in the wintertime, and he has to walk to a commuter train station. Uh, He will hop on the commuter train. He will take that to the bus depot, hop on a bus, take the bus to a stop where he then has to walk a quarter of a mile to his church. And he does this every single Sunday morning. Um, Don is also blind. And so he, he was travel trained by somebody to come alongside and to support him in doing that. So when Don shows up on a Sunday morning, everybody in that church is thinking to themselves what great lengths he took to get there and how important it was for him. And I really believe that God has used that to encourage them to think, man, this is valuable for me to be here. And and so maybe I'm not going to hit snooze um, this particular <laughs> Sunday morning because I know Don's going to be there no matter what the weather, uh, no matter what's been going on this week, he's going to be there as part of the body. Well, on one occasion, I got to visit Don's church. I was sitting there and uh, in the coffee hour, I was getting to visit with a couple of individuals and they were telling me some stories that I felt were really impactful as to how God is using Don and others with disabilities in the life of the church. I was, I was talking to him. I said, you know, what's it been like in, in for Don to be here? And one gal, she was really transparent and she said, you know, can I just tell you the truth? When I used to get annoyed, she said, I used to get annoyed. Don, uh, the pastor would have an open time where he would ask for prayer requests. 
And every single time the pastor would ask for prayer requests, Don would would raise his hand, he would get called on, and he would begin to say things like, I thank God that I could get to the grocery store this week to cash my check. I thank God that my bus ride went okay. I want to pray from the staff who are supporting me. And he was he was sharing, he would share many different things. Sometimes it felt repetitive. Um, but what this gal said to me, she said, after a couple years, God really used Don's prayer request, his faith to turn to God in all, all things, to thank God in all things, and to pray for the small things in life. She said God used it to grow her in her prayer life, and that she now is, is turning to the Lord and saying, God, thank you for helping me get to the grocery store. Lord, I just want to pray for these little things that are going on in life as well as the big things. Well, in that same conversation, uh, another gal, her name was Darcy. She said, you know, can I tell you this one story about uh, Don? She said, I came to the commuter train station and she said, I saw Don there. He had his cane with him. He was facing the other direction. And I, I wanted to say hi to him, you know, as a, as a brother in Christ. I wanted just to say hi to him, but I was afraid that I would startle him, you know, because he couldn't see me. And so what if I said hi and how would he respond? So she said she stood about 10 feet back and uh, she said, hi, Don, like not, you know, a little hesitant. And he just turned right directly toward her and he said, well, hi, Darcy. And she truly was communicating to me on that morning that she felt the love of God in that her voice was recognized uh, by a brother in Christ who just turned and she felt loved in that moment. And so I look at that and I go, God, thank you so much, not only for what the body is doing in the life of Don, but what Don is doing in the life of the body. What a a unique story that we get caught up, many of us get caught up in all the mundane things of life and forget where we can be thankful uh, as the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray for the things that we have on a daily basis. And we think, oh, how repetitive Yet the the witness of of Don on a, a weekly basis to show us that these are the very things God gives us to pray for, to give thanks for, um, and uh, how that shaped uh, the people in that congregation. How do people with disabilities influence or shape their congregation, Sandra? So I said earlier, um, I talked about my friend Dave and his relationship with the young man with Down syndrome. The story continues. It didn't just stop with this, this hug <laughs> and this newfound relationship. He called me and he told, he told me the story and I, I cheered with him. I celebrated with him and then I got him and followed up with, now tell me, Pastor Dave, why is it that the young man who is a teenager is coming up to the communion rail just for the blessing? And he said, well, he hasn't had confirmation yet. And I said, well, why hasn't he had confirmation yet? Isn't he older than most of the other people that have confirmation in your class? And he said, yes. But his parents told me that they didn't think he was ready. And I said, but Dave, did you ask him what he wanted to do? And the light bulb went on. And Dave said, hmm, I guess maybe I need to start thinking about that in a different way. And sure enough, he went back and talked to the young man and instruction started right away for confirmation or for confirmation and for communion. So. And that, uh, that instruction went well. And I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) What, uh, 
what a story. Sometimes we forget to ask the the individual too. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Thanks be to God for the the parents that were given to that young man. But sometimes when you when you live with a person day to day, you might forget and and again look at things mm-hmm. very uh, very myopically and and not look down the road and think, well, maybe this is uh, something we can, uh, you know, our son can endeavor to. I don't think that's do. any different with any parent, right? Right. right. You're waiting He's for your child yet. to grow up. Yeah. They're not ready yet. Yeah. My, my kids are going to college. <laughs> They're not ready yet. I'm the one who's not ready yet. I think that happens with every parent. Yeah. Wow. We need to take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we'll continue uh, listening to uh, talking with our friends from Bethesda Lutheran Communities and the stories they have to share with us about individuals with disabilities, how they make a difference in the life of their own congregations. You're listening to Faith and Family on The Messenger of Good News. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu Faith and Family is a production of KFUO Radio. Christ for you anytime, anywhere since 1924. Text the letters KFUO to 41444 to join the legacy with your tax-deductible gift. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. You know, life is a potpourri of good experiences and really tough challenges. Through all those times you need, and so do I, the Lord's precious word and sacred music to get you through. That's what you get when you tune in to Moments of Assurance, Christ-centered songs, scripture, news items, trivia, humor, you name it. So tune in. You'll be richer for it over the noontime hour here on Worldwide KFUO. Moments of Assurance is underwritten by Mid-American Coaches. How was your day? Fine. Did you learn anything new? No. Anything I should know? No. Is everything okay? Yeah. Sometimes it can be hard to connect with teens. Use Connect With Me activity cards to deepen your conversations. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Sarcoma. Odds are you've never heard that word before. For the 40 people diagnosed with sarcoma every day, it is a life-changing word because sarcoma is cancer. Through awareness, advocacy, and research, the Sarcoma Foundation of America is bringing hope to the families whose lives have been turned upside down by a cancer they had never heard of until diagnosis. Please join us in the fight to find the cure for sarcoma. For more information on the work of the Sarcoma Foundation of America, go to curesarcoma.org. 
Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, this is Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. One of the treasures of the church is the many volunteers who give so freely of their time in service to others. St. Mark tells us that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To all who share the love of Christ by volunteering, I thank you on behalf of a grateful church. As you make the gospel known through word and deed, May the blessings of Christ abound in your congregations, in your neighborhoods, and throughout the world. How do individuals with disabilities impact, shape, and serve in their congregations. You're listening to Faith and Family. We're talking with our friends from Bethesda Lutheran Communities today about individuals with disabilities and uh, being a part of the body of Christ. Before we went to break, we were hearing from uh, members of the team from Bethesda Lutheran Community some very uh, deep stories of individuals with disabilities and uh, their life in Christ in the congregation. Mona, tell us your story of... Uh, an individual with a disability and how they impacted or or influenced their congregation. Well, this is a great story about Sandy. She was attending a Lutheran church in her area, uh, living it with supports in a group home nearby. uh, And over a period of a a couple of years became part of that congregation. And then due to some staffing changes and leadership changes there, uh, they began taking people in that house to a different church. And uh, Sandy wasn't happy about that. She was missing her congregation and they were missing her. And so she advocated uh, to go back to attending her church. Uh, Whether or not anyone else went with her was not important to her. She wanted to go there. And so she... um, They arranged for her to be able to go back to church at that congregation where she felt apart. Um, She went through confirmation, was confirmed, became part of the children's ministry team there. And so she helps with vacation Bible school and children's church. She helps with Sunday school. Um, She acolytes regularly. She's a very enthusiastic member of the praise team. So Sandy's gifts are being used in her congregation, congregation she identified as hers. And when she was taken elsewhere, um, she objected and said, no, this is my faith community. This is where I want to go. And this is where I want to contribute. And so she's in has her finger in many things. Um, But one of the things I love the most is that she's involved in children's ministry. So those children and those families are seeing a person with developmental disabilities in leadership, assisting teachers, teaching and sharing her love of Jesus and his love for them. Uh, And they're growing up with that example of a person with a disability sharing the gospel, sharing their love of Jesus and being in leadership in the church. And I love that. What is that how does that impact the children, for example, that that she's teaching? What difference do you think that will make for those children as they grow up and interact with people of all different abilities? I would expect they would have higher expectations. Um, 
there's no limits placed on Sandy and what she can do at church uh, in their Sunday school programs. And children today are included and in regularly with kids in schools and public schools with children with disabilities. And so they're more familiar, maybe more comfortable. But in these children's minds who see Sandy leading, um, there aren't barriers for someone with a disability to lead in the life of the church. They see it every Sunday. And what difference does that make when we grow up having higher expectations? I think when the bar is higher, we reach the bar. I mean, isn't that true for all of us? If the expect mm-hmm. it, the higher the expectation, the harder we strive to reach it and surpass it. I think for years, probably for generations, uh, people have looked at those with disabilities and had a very low expectations of what they could accomplish or understand or contribute. And I think when we give them opportunity to fly and then we see them using their gifts and really soaring with that opportunity, um, then we recognize that those limits are imposed by us, not by their disability. Hmm. Kim, what's your story? Uh, <laughs> how an individual... I, I want to just pause for a few minutes and let that all sink in and think about that more, but we can't have silence on the radio. So, uh, uh, Kim, what's your story of uh, an individual with a disability in a congregation, how they influenced a congregation? I think it's okay to pause a little bit on that, just to see that the fabric is richer when, when everyone is encouraged to share. Um, we talk a lot about ministry with and to. So, for example, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we will be given opportunity to minister to each other. But we also, as brothers and sisters, may decide we need to minister with and so that we can reach out to someone else as well. Just from an, an educational perspective, you know, talking about this, this story of Sandy serving in Sunday school as an educator, one of the, the greatest methods of learning is by teaching. Uh, that's where we learn the most. Uh, so... Uh, Sandy can not only teach, but as she is given to serve and to lead and to teach in Sunday school, think of what all she's learning as well in that situation. Hmm. And I have a story about Jenny. Um, Jenny is probably uh, the most bold evangelist I've met in my life. And I say that because Jenny, um, she loved Bible study. So she would go to about four Bible studies a week. She loved Bible study. And When she would go to Bible study, all of the leaders knew that sometime during Bible study that Jenny would raise her hand and she would say, on Good Friday, they put Jesus on the cross and on Easter Sunday, he rose. So when I die, I'll go to heaven and be with him. Every Bible study. And there were times when her peers would say, oh my goodness, she's going to say it again. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, everyone would kind of chuckle a little or, or there might be a a slight eye roll. Oh my gosh, Jenny's going to say it again. Okay. Yes. On Good Friday, they put Jesus on the cross on Easter Sunday rose. And when I die, I'll go to heaven and be with him. Yes. You're right, Jenny. You're right. And I had the privilege of being at her funeral though. Mm. And, She is with our Lord. And at the end of her funeral, um, there was standing room only. The entire room was packed. It was our staff, um, her friends from Bible study. And at the end of that funeral, we said, (laughs) what did Jenny always say? 
What did she always say? She said, on Good Friday, they put Jesus on the cross, and on Easter Sunday, he rose, so that when I die, I'll go to heaven and I'll be with him. And so where is Jenny? She's with our Lord. And so her confession of faith was so strong to anyone who would hear her that at the end of her life, her life was marked by butterflies (laughs) because she loved butterflies, and it was marked by her confession of faith. So that anyone who knew her knew who she believed in and where she was going to go. And so those who are grieving, we could also grieve in joy because that was such a tangible expression that she would give to us every time we would talk to her. And it was a great reminder. Where is Jenny? (laughs) She's with our Lord. Um, So I see that and I see the ministry that Jenny led in her life just by being a just by, by being a Christian woman and by sharing her faith with every person she interacted with. And so how much more, um, how many more people can she touch? Because as we share that story, our whole life, at the end of our life, what is our confession of faith going to be? How will people know, um, know, know the faith? And so I also took it as a reminder and a challenge to each person of, to share the good news of our Lord and to help other folks know him and so that the church can grow. And so her legacy, her legacy is so strong in the church. And as part of church, she was able to be a, a sister in Christ to so many people, hmm. so many people and point others towards him. And that's what it's about. Wow. I, <laughs> Imagine there wasn't a dry eye in the house. There was not. <laughs> in the sanctuary was, that day. There was not. And for a while, but it also made it, um, you know, we hear that first, you know, we don't grieve as one who doesn't know. And yet in that moment, it was so tangible sure. that we could know where she was. You know, you, you shared that <laughs> she had this, she she shared this this gospel in a very uh, succinct and and simple way. Yes, uh, a, a confession of faith. We we confess the creed on a regular yeah. basis. Uh, I why would we roll our eyes at that? Why would we roll our eyes and mm-hmm. uh, well because of our old Adam in us thinking yeah. <laughs> that it's thinking that it's uh, yes. oh here she goes again. But in retrospect, looking at that, mm-hmm. what a a, a bold confession of faith, uh, much like, much like Joe, uninhibited to uninhibited. to speak, uh, to be a, a faithful witness, um, much stronger than than I, <laughs> to be able to speak that so boldly and and uh, so repetitively that it shaped that congregation that they too confessed that. Yes. What does participation in the congregation and beyond and into the community look like um, by everyone, especially for individuals with, with disabilities? What does that look like? I have a great example. Um, in, in 
southeast, southwest Portland, we have a congregation, partner congregation that has a group home across the parking lot uh, uh, on the property. And they've been partners with us for m- many, many years. And a few years ago, the congregation and the church building itself uh, suffered a fire. Uh, it was actually set by a couple of teenagers. So it was an arson fire. And the folks that lived in that um, group home on the property were very upset by it, of course. Um, they watched it burn and were mm. out uh, the next morning with the firefighters talking about it and concerned about it. Most of those folks in that in that group home attended that church regularly. Um, the confirmation kids came over on Sunday morning and wheeled their chairs across to the church to be part of that congregation. And there's one uh, man in particular, uh, Robert, who loves that congregation dearly, um, is a greeter regularly, is there with enthusiasm, um, and Robert was very concerned about his church, his beloved church building, and there was significant damage. And so we began, as I was grief counseling with him and walking them through that uh, that event and how that would um, impact them and what would happen, and they'd be worshiping in another place, and um, all of the costs surrounding that and that concern about that. And I was talking with the house um, members and then, uh, with the support of their staff, because a number of those folks that live there are nonverbal. Um, and they said, we need to do something. So Robert is the one who said, we need to do something. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? Uh, and so we began to brainstorm. And I said, well, that's a great idea. What could we do? We ban- began to brainstorm some ideas about what could we, at, uh, as Bethesda, how could we support the people who lived in that home, who were members of that congregation, um, to initiate something in response to this tragic, tragic loss. And so we brainstormed together. We had a number of meetings and we decided we were going to have a fundraising event, um, that we were going to gather the community together. We'd have it in the community down at the high school in the community room, uh, that we'd do some auction items and fundraising items and a dance and and just have a celebration of our relationship and community in the faith, um, but also do some fundraising for the congregation. So as we began to discuss that, um, I went to the pastor and talked with him about that idea, and he and he looked at me and it was just sort of silence, and he said, "Wow." He said, "Here we think." that all these years we've been ministering to them. Never occurred to me that they could or would want to do anything for us as a congregation. And he had tears in his eyes as he said, that would be wonderful. Oh my gosh. And so we went ahead with plans. We planned for several months. We got lots of publicity because it was young teens who had set arson. There was lots of publicity of the local radio stations, TV stations, um, and they caught wind of our fundraiser and the fact that Bethesda was sponsoring this and organizing this. And we had some tremendous radio coverage. We had great attendance at that event, and we raised a lot of money for uh, seed money for the, the beginning for repairs for that congregation. So... The congregation was moved by it. The pastor was moved by it. The community was surprised by it. The people that we support were delighted to be able to give back and actively participate in something for their beloved church. And it was just a wonderful 
several month process of really sharing and showing that people with disabilities have leadership capability, that they care about their church, that they can contribute in significant ways when uh, they're asked and given an opportunity. What an aha moment for that pastor and perhaps for others in the congregation yeah. as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and for the, the television staff, I mean, talk about outreach into the community who are listening to those stories as they were filming the stories and, and their aside comments after we're off camera is like, wow, really tell me more about what it is you do and why these folks are so motivated to be involved in this event. Hmm. So great witness and outreach. What does meaningful participation in congregation beyond and the, the community look like, Sandra? And I think Josh is part of the story too. Is that right? Sure, sure. Um, I think that anytime you have meaningful participation, well, first of all, miracles happen, which we've already heard, right? We hear about Jenny, who not only touched all of the people that knew her, but what about the staff who may have just been there that didn't have any faith and could hear over and over and see that witness and see all of those things happen? So miracles can happen. Wonderful things can happen when you have um, groups that get together and they support their congregations and they support their community, all of the lives and hearts that are changed that way. And, and sometimes it's a learning experience. So I think about this one time I... I'm in charge of the newsletter for our company. And so I send these internal newsletters out and try to keep everyone um, aware of what's going across the country since we serve people all the way mm -hmm. from New Jersey to California. Sometimes we feel a little left out. Sometimes we feel like we're off doing our own thing. So we have a newsletter that we do a lot of pictures. <laughs> so I got a pictures from a ministry consultant in Texas, um, Katie, and she sent some pictures of what they call a tricker trunk. <laughs> so congregations, um, it's kind of a new thing that some con congregations have been doing lately. Or, and, oh, trunk or treat. I called it the wrong thing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so trunk or treat, I guess is what it's called. Anyway, they, instead of dressing up for Halloween and going out to the neighborhoods, they will come to your congregation. It's for the community. They have, they, you go from car to car or you go from booth to booth or it's, it's, it's a safer setting for, for, um, people with, um, Halloween on the mind. So they decided that this year, instead of just participating and being participants in, in going to this trunk or treat, <laughs> think about it over and over again, how to say it, they decided it was time to step it up and be part of the congregation as congregation members, which they are, and the community, and to take care of um, a booth themselves. So Josh, you wanna? Yeah, so, you know, man, I think around 20 different people uh, who have disabilities that we support in that area are a part of St. John's Lutheran in Cypress, Texas. Uh, it's a tremendously impactful congregation. And and uh, so our ministry consultant initiated, hey, you know, what would it be like for them to serve? And so some of them, you know, had the mindset, I'd still rather just come participate. I mean, just to be honest, right? Hey, it's going to be a blast. I don't want to miss out on that. But but they really wrapped their heads around it rather quickly. And we're excited around the idea of being able to serve alongside of everyone else in the life of the body. Uh, they were given t-shirts as, as members of St. 
St. John's. Uh, they were encouraged to wear their T-shirt. They were excited to wear their T-shirt. And they were there for hours. And uh, for, for those of you who are uh, maybe uh, north in, in, in geography and you think about cold weather, for all the Texas people, it's pretty hilarious. It was about 61 degrees on that day. And they were freezing. Okay, <laughs> they were freezing uh, in Texas. Uh, and so, you know, it was one of those situations where it wasn't the easiest thing to serve in their context. And yet they were giving back and were coming alongside of everyone else who was doing the same thing. So it was a complete blessing. Uh, not only that, it was a blessing for them. And it was an opportunity for them uh, just to be able to use their gifts to interact and to have a lot of fun as part of the body of Christ. So as the learning experience, not only did the congregation and the community see that, that everyone in the congregation can participate in this, but for from our point of view, from Bethesda, we were able to highlight all of the things that happened. We could say, well, look at this. They decided this on their own and they decided to start a booth. And look, they decorated the booth with pictures and we can show how they colored all the sticks and took care of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lollipops for their lollipop pole. And we showed them um, not only working in the booth, but working in the extra booth and, the, and all of that kind of thing. So it was a learning experience for the community and the congregation and for our own team for Bethesda to see, hey, these are some things that we can try to do too. So um, it was a great experience. Yeah, just as an entry point to serve. You know, we looked at it and we said, hey, becoming an acolyte, that, that's going to take some time. That's going to mm-hmm. take a little bit more. So looking at an entry point and even, so the hope is to be able to take this share it with other congregations, say, here, this might be a great way to get people's foot in the door when it comes to serving. And hopefully the next time something's coming up, they'll say, wait a minute, wait a minute, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Instead of us having to come and say, what can we do? It's automatic. You're a congregation member. What, what do you want to do? It, it obviously takes some time and sometimes a, 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 an experience like this for us as congregations to to really see who the body of Christ is and how each of us can serve. And it it can take some time to do that. How can Bethesda help us recognize that? What are some ways that Bethesda can help us uh, be better at uh, recognizing the body of Christ and, and people with disabilities as part of the body of Christ? What are some ways that Bethesda can help us in the congregation, in the community do that? We we really just want to be able to have conversations and, um, you know, we have a team of ministry consultants. There's 12 of them uh, where we're connecting regularly with the church. And we want to be that direct resource to really help pastors, leaders, volunteers to grow in their confidence. A lot of times it's not because anyone has any malicious intent to exclude uh, or to to maybe not consider taking different approaches. It's really that they're just not confident. They're a little uncertain. So our ministry consultants can come alongside of these pastors and leaders and volunteers and encourage them, get to have some equipping conversations to give them some resources and tools uh, so that they can feel better prepared than to say, you know what, I now recognize we may have a Joe in the area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or or I, I know Jenny, but I'm not sure how to tap in to the way in which she's been communicating the gospel. And so we can have that conversation. And at the same time, uh, even though we're a resource face-to-face and, and for those pastors and leaders, we also have put together some actual resources that people can can get online and uh, we could share more about that as well. How do we find the ministry consultants? How do we get connected with them and, uh, and find these resources? Well, we have some free resources on our website at BethesdaLutheranCommunities.org. Those are mostly uh, disability awareness materials. Mm-hmm. So we have chapels, um, services, we have sermon notes, 
Bible studies for all ages, pre-K, all the way up through adult. Um, and we even have a four-part adult study for people that really want to dig in and uh, discover more about what they're learning. Um, and we have several sets of these available online. And we also have materials that people can use. Um, we have devotion books. We have prayer books. We have all kinds of pamphlets about adapting your curriculum and uh, welcoming a child with disabilities into your family. And those are available at CPH, cph.org. And you just have to go on the homepage and look for the Bethesda logo and give it a click and it's all there for you. Very good. Final thoughts on, with just about two minutes left, moving from a ministry to and for to a ministry with, with and by people with disabilities. Final thoughts on that, Mona? I think it's a process and it starts with that disability awareness and the willingness to say, I don't know what to do, help me figure out where to start. And and once you begin and you begin to be in relationship, then it's all about the relationships. Like it is in any congregation, uh, it's about the relationship with a person who's uniquely gifted and uniquely crafted by God to bring something um, to that congregation, to the community, to that relationship, um, and recognizing that. And I, I think for most of us, it's uh, we've seen this wave of programmatical interest in disability ministry across the country over the last year and a half or two. Um, and it's really a renewed interest or new interest in serving people with disabilities in the church, and we're, we're very happy to see that. We're concerned about the fact that it looks like programs, separate programs for people with disabilities, when we're really all about people with disabilities being part of the fabric of the congregation, not in a separate program or study on a different night or a different area of the church, but part of the congregation. And, and we like to advocate that the way that you greet any guest or visitor or learn to know about any new member um, can be used with a person with a disability as well. Get to know who they are, what their interests are, where their strengths are, and then begin to use those gifts in the congregation. About 30 seconds, Kim. Sir, it's, it's really beginning the conversation and taking that step. And whether you are close to our programs or not, feel free to reach out to us, um, religiouslife at mailblc.org. We'd be happy to walk alongside your congregation, happy to. Um, we can also do phone consultation, Skype consultation, because it really is about relationship and where you are and the context of your relationship. Um, what would it look like if every person was represented in our church? What would it look like? BethesdaLutheranCommunities.org is the website to check out for more information as well. Thank you all for being my guest today. Mona Firstenau, Director of Lutheran Ministry Partnerships. Thanks so much, Mona. Thanks, Andy. And Deaconess Kim Trombley, Vice President for Religious Life for Bethesda. Thank you for having us, Andy. Josh Galgan, Corporate Director of Religious Life. Thanks so much, Josh. Thank you. And Sandra Rice, Director of Resource Creation. Thanks so much, Sandra. Thanks. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word. been listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518, or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. 
Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.